Today's episode of Ringer FC is brought to you by Bookmaker.eu. With over 30 years of experience, Bookmaker.eu is your online bookmaker for all your football betting needs. They offer live betting on matches and free same-day payouts. Plus, with their mobile betting, you can access your account anytime, anywhere from your desktop, tablet, or smartphone. No download is necessary. Visit bookmaker.eu slash FC to join for free and claim your cash welcome bonus of up to $1,000. U.S. bettors accepted. Ringer FC is brought to you by Ringer Merch. It's not enough to read us. It's not enough to listen to us. It's not enough to watch us. You gotta wear it. Dad hats, sweatshirts, t-shirts, wear the ringer with pride. Go to theringer.com slash shop, cop all the fits, be the envy of your friend group. Ringer.com slash shop. It's the rock. (laughs) Before we get into this episode, I just want to tell you about a couple of other things happening on theringer.com and other ringer properties. On theringer.com this week, it is Giant Week in honor of the ringer films and HBO sports documentary Andre the Giant will have tons of giant-themed content. What's giant-themed content? Glad you asked. It can be anything tangentially related to giants. I'm particularly excited for Shea Serrano and Andrew Godardaro's piece that's coming this week. Definitely just check ringer.com early and often for Andre the Giant and Giant Week content. In terms of podcasts, it's a great sports week in America. We've got the Masters this week, with uh, Shack House down in Augusta. Bill is down there. Against all odds, we'll be broadcasting from there. So we've got a full slate of Masters podcasts coming to you with some really cool content coming out of Georgia. And then, of course, tonight, Monday, it's the national championship between Villanova and Michigan. And One Shining Podcast has you covered. Mark and Tate have been in San Antonio. They are back. They are ready to rock tonight when Jay Wright goes bang all over these dumb Wolverines. Uh, (laughs) Just a quick note, Ringer FC programming-wise, we're going to be with you every other Monday. So every other Monday, you can catch Ringer FC. We'll keep you up to date on all the great action in Europe and MLS and get you ready for the World Cup and then expect us to really pump up the volume when it comes to the World Cup. We'll be here in the middle of the night screaming at each other about the Nigeria kits from Russia. Uh, let's get into an episode of Ringer FC now. Hello and welcome to Ringer FC, extremely most interesting man in the world voice. I don't often watch soccer, but when I do, it's Los Angeles soccer. Yes, Was it's that? an MLS podcast with Ryan O'Hanlon and Micah Peters. Later we'll be joined by Donnie Kwok and we start at the center of the footballing universe, Carson, California. I have a question before we talk. How are we going to do this podcast when every letter in the alphabet has been replaced with Z. How many people know what we're saying? I mean, like, I, that's that's a very, that's a good question. Also, another good question is, what accent was that? Was that Spanish or was that? That was me feeling a Swedish. little bit concerned about my doing the Dos Equis guy voice being taken the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so trying to, like, like, vaguely Scandinavian. Yeah, when Stellan Skarsgård did okay. it. Uh, <laughs> you know, in, this, in the storied history of soccer rivalries, you have River and, and Boca, AC and Inter, Liverpool and Manchester United, and now LAFC and LA Galaxy. The El Trafico this weekend, and that is where we start because it is, I think quality-wise it was not, but in terms of scoreline and highlights, 
one of the great MLS games? <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, it's like remarkable the fact that, okay, MLS fans are talking about how they didn't want the lead to create another, like, just rolling their eyes at, let's create another crosstown rivalry, like, with the Red Bull and the New York City FC. But then, like, it delivered, like, straight out of the gate. Immediately. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, LAFC went up 3-0 because Carlos Vela and Latif Blessing and who was the third? Like, and they, they had, like, a really good, like, uh... They just had good synergy going on up top, and Carlos Vela was just like, "Yeah, I came from Real Sociedad, and I'm gonna curl this into the top corner from yeah. forty, from thirty, from twenty five." Carlos Vela is definitely Chris Ryan in 2010 playing with Andre Arshavin on amateur <laughs> level on FIFA, <laughs> and just d- walking the ball across the box as guys like freak out and then curling one. Yeah, I mean, and it should have been he he might have deserved a little more. But then it, it could have been more than three nothing. <laughs> it should have because maybe yeah. they would have left Zlatan on the bench. It's, <laughs> it ended four three. It had been up until a point the Carlos Vela show. It was it was, uh, it was three nothing, mm-hmm. and and then Ibra comes on. I think there was like three one when Ibra came on, right? No, it was three zero. Um, and then it was three zero when he came on, and okay. they pulled a goal back like immediately after Chris Pontius header. Right, that's right, Pontius header, and then with Ebra's first shot on goal, Ryan, why don't you set the scene, oh, please? So, <laughs> and we usually don't want to do play by play here, but this is yeah. an important moment, and we should do play by play because one one thing we should credit MLS for. As soon as this happened, they were sending out video yes. on every channel, which yeah. no other soccer league. My does. MySpace in blew every up. angle. Yeah. yeah. Um. So ball, long ball gets played out of the back. Guy on the Galaxy goes up for header. I think it was Boateng. LAFC defender also goes up for it. Neither of them touch the ball. They just run into each other and fall down. <laughs> ball bounces once. Zlatan runs onto it. He's about 40 yards out and looks at the keeper and then half volleys it. Probably, what, the ball was three feet off the ground. When so it started, like a, yeah. Essentially yeah. like a karate kick level height. Yeah. Sort of slices it. And it just perfect trajectory right over the keeper's head and into the goal. Let me also <laughs> add, that shit was not stopping. His shirt no. was the off net before he re- even... like went like popped. It was a definite like it could have gone as it could have would have been a goal if he was sixty out. Yep. is what I'm saying. Yep. And uh, shirt comes off, crowd goes wild, confetti on the floor, teammates go nuts. Let's go, and and so now it's three <laughs> two. Uh, and and they pull another one back to tie it, and then Zlatan gets the game winner with a header, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> that play was also. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, well, anyway, he was offside. For he what was, the the volley? Uh, no, 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 no. The 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 final the final so header. This is, that, I'm glad you brought this up because I think that the second goal he scored is almost better than the first <laughs> for this so, exact reason. Yeah. So a uh, uh, ball goes over the channel on the left side of the pitch or whatever, and he's running onto it, but he is well offside. Yeah. Like and Ashley good... Cole is maybe like 10 feet, 10, 15 feet to his left. Right. Yeah. And so he's Ashley so... Cole, who is still playing <laughs> professional soccer. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Ashley Cole, a fellow former Premier League player, uh, running into the channel into the ball, and Zlatan just points to it, and he's just like, hey, you go get that. Have you either of you ever seen that happen before, where players off sides could touch it, but it somehow psychically draws in another player to to take care of it as he runs onto it? I'm sure that it's happened at some other time. the Rude Van Nistelrooy special. Oh, that's true. That yeah. is true. He did. Yeah. Zlatan did come up through Ajax. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> that is. Wow. Yeah. 
Oh, anyway. Okay, so, and then Ashley Cole whips in across and Zlatan just goes over three people and heads it in. Game. I mean, it was, it's... <sighs> it's an incredible introduction to MLS. You know, often what happens is these older, you know, players who are on the downside of their career, which Zlatan is, obviously. I mean, he's definitely going to miss six weeks in a couple yep. of weeks. But it had a certain uh, level of panache, energy... Also, just swagger. And Zlatan is a winner. Like, you know, David Beckham, when he came, I think he was, like, trying to improve the overall quality of this league. But, like, was it, it is ultimately, like, on the in the last days of his career, Zlatan could probably still play for 98% of the teams in the world, right? Yeah, I mean, last season he was, what, the third best striker in the Premier League behind Kane and Aguero yeah. until yeah. he got hurt? yeah. Uh, that was a year ago. I mean, yeah. I know he he tore his ACL, but I, I think we're already sort of we haven't said it, but he's basically superhuman. And yeah. I, what I liked about it was, and I'm and this could also this I'm is also subject to change, but I liked that he immediately brought a level of intensity to a rivalry that literally started to yesterday. You know, <laughs> that I mean, started, it would have started been funny on Saturday. You know, yeah. if he would have like if if he would have scored for forty yards out, then he was just like, yeah, I do this in my sleep. It's. It was important that he took his shirt off and ran around yes, for a while. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the game itself, Ryan. Did you did you enjoy the vibes? Did you did you think that we're? I, I know that we as as soccer fans in this room are sort of maybe reaching a turning point with MLS, where there's enough stuff going on with Atlanta. We talked about a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. uh, that we're we're getting a little bit more engaged every week. But did you find this to be like a suitable? Uh, you know, methadone to your Premier League habit. I mean, definitely. Like, I don't, I don't need to. Like the MLS, we know, it's not close to the level of the Premier League. So, oh, I hear the blog boys. <laughs> I hear the blog boys and the haters. <laughs> the blog boys. No, but now I'll go at the other blog boys who only watch the Premier League. Yeah, we don't need MLS to be like a watered down version of the Premier League, right? If we're gonna watch it and enjoy it, I'd rather it be like back and forth, just chaos, yeah. both directions, four three. It was the most one of the most entertaining games I've watched this season any league for yeah. the stop. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what you need, right? I mean, Absolutely. What it, and I think that the one thing that I've really noticed is that with Atlanta and with this game, I you know, it makes it sound like I've only watched two MLS games this season. <laughs> I assure you that's not the case. But I do think that the accumulation of institutional fan knowledge is starting to really show. Yeah. And I think that there obviously has been like sort of cruel critiques of MLS fans as, like, tryhards or, you know, like, trying to be, like, as if, like, they've been watching, you know, Real Betis for, like, 106 years or something. But there is, like, a vibe to these games now where I think that, you know, the teams are recognizing it, the stadium stadium are, like, tend to be, like, a little bit more fan-friendly, soccer-friendly. You've got these incredible home-and-away ends. There's noise. There's... There's action. There's there's a real atmosphere to these games. So shout out to MLS. Right now, LA Galaxy is right above LAFC in the Western Conference standings. Is this going to be a rivalry that tears our our podcast apart? Are, are we Team LAFC? Are we Team LAG? Or are we are we are we split on the matter? 
I think I'm. We're Team Z. We're Team Z. Yeah. I don't think those. Great. Great. We we just value the individual over the collective. Hey, listen. I'm Team Effort Merchant. Who's like the effort merchant? I'm totally fine if, you know, like this happens and then like Galaxy are like going to play in Orlando or something and it's like 95 degrees and Zlatan's just like, Lions, don't do that. I'm going to Typhoon Lagoon and sunning myself. I was saying this to Micah earlier. Like, if Zlatan doesn't score another goal and doesn't even play another game, like who gives a shit? Like this is one hundred percent. To get a little bit of uh, counter narrative to our pro Zlatan attitude, and to talk a little bit, obviously, about the top four in the Premier League, we're going to bring on Donnie Kwok after a word from our sponsors. Today's episode of The Ringer FC is brought to you by SeatGeek. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there is a simpler way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're watching your favorite musician on tour, shopping for the perfect gift, or searching for a last-minute deal to see your favorite L.A.-based soccer team, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. Nothing beats being there in person for the biggest plays of the year, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it is by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. I actually just used SeatGeek to buy tickets for Dodgers Phillies this summer. You can do it for whatever you need. There's a lot of great action happening in LA right now and across the country in MLS, in MLB, NBA playoffs are coming. You got to dial up SeatGeek. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. It saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get the best bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. I can't tell you how many times that has helped me at Dodger Stadium. Every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. And best of all, our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. How about that? Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code RINGERFC today. That's promo code RINGERFC for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, right seat right now, right from your phone. All right, we are back. We're here to talk about Tottenham, Chelsea, and the state of the top four in the Premier League, which is calcified. We have gotten ourselves a top four. It would take quite a collapse on the part of Tottenham or Liverpool to fall out of that top four. Chelsea is, I believe, is it eight points behind now? Mm-hmm. Uh, they have uh, one game in hand on the pool, I believe. Yeah, but they're but eight points behind it's, Tottenham. You know, 538's Champions League qualification predictions are locked for Man City and 99% for United. Uh, Liverpool and Tottenham. So this is the top four. And we have been talking about a top six. We had hoped for these last few weeks of the season to still be, you know, the whole league is up in the air and maybe the league would be decided by the Manchester Derby that's coming up. But instead, we've got a champion. We've had a champion since almost Christmas. And now we have a top four by by Easter, pretty much. Yeah. And this was an incredible game in terms of if you want to think about the way things have, are changing in this league, because this is the first time that Spurs have won at Stamford Bridge in the history of the Premier League, and it didn't look that hard. Ryan, what were your takeaways from this game? Um, I actually thought that in the first half, I mean, my biggest takeaway is that Christian Eriksen is incredible. One of the most underappreciated players in the league. Um, 
I feel like we should be talking about him leaving Tottenham in the same way we talk about Harry Kane leaving Tottenham. Because, you know, you watch the first half of this game, and with Chelsea's struggles this season, it's easy to forget that Conte is still one of the best managers in the world. And for a lot of the first half, uh, Chelsea gave up the ball, but Tottenham couldn't create anything, had no space. And every time Chelsea attacked, they were attacking into just acres of space and creating the better chances. Um, they take the lead on a Murata header, and then Erickson just fucking plants one from 40 yards out um, over Caballero's head. That's his 16th goal from outside the box since coming to the Premier League. Yeah, and that was like a just like a brick falling yeah. from the sky. Um, and then when the game's tied, Chelsea can't play the same way. Um, that ball over the top in the second half puts Tottenham up 2-1. And once Tottenham has the lead on a team like Chelsea, that's just better. Chelsea are just better when they sit back. Um, there's just nothing Chelsea's going to be able to do in that situation. Donnie, do you... Deli Ali was actually the real star of this game after yeah. Erickson's heroics. Ali's come in for some criticism over this season, even though his stats are pretty great. You know, eight goals, 12 assists, I think, and some and some absurd amount of cr- chances created. But, you know, as in, in England, it's like, is he going to earn his spot on Southgate's team? Does he have the discipline to play for England? Uh, what did you think about the state of Delhi Ali after watching this match? Well, it's tough because I think his main... The main reason he's not in the starting 11 right now for England is Jesse Lingard. And Lingard actually also had a very good game over the weekend. And it's kind of like they're kind of seen as interchangeable. Um, And Lingard has been sort of more in the press this year uh, or or more consistent, I guess I should say. But if you look at the numbers, uh, Dele is actually have like three times as many assists as Lingard does. I mean, a lot of that is playing with Kane and... On against Chelsea yesterday, I think he was like in rare form. And when he's at his best like that, I think it's like the touches were there, his decision making was good, and he just looked like he knew what he was doing. And <clears throat> those two goals, the second one in particular, it was really uh, an amazing goal. I mean, it was a great pass from Eric Dyer, but the first touch, I mean, I guess Cavalero can be a little bit blamed for kind of indecisive goalkeeping, but it's not like uh, Loris was was. David De Gea, like, you know, I mean, I thought that the, both goalkeepers looked a little shaky out there. I know, Caballero on the Erickson goal, too, was like, he didn't even try for it. I mean, I oh, know. Wait, that. I forgot. Wait, we should really have <laughs> keeper's corner with Dottie Kwok. Yeah. And when, <laughs> I'm just saying, and when I'm, he, not saying I, I'm not saying that it wasn't an amazing <laughs> shot. No. I'm just saying he was so flat-footed. I know. That, but that, I really want you to record this podcast wearing gloves. <laughs> and wearing a totally your, different kit from all of us. Put on your old sports. <laughs> but, but, you know, just back to Delhi real quick. I think he's been hearing like, all the criticism, obviously, and probably internalizing a little bit and using it for motivation. I mean, you can see on Twitter, he, you know, there was an amazing picture of him in front of the away end. Uh, Phenomenal stuff from people the Chelsea fans. Flicking them off. Yeah. It's a and he tweeted that, that picture. He, he tweeted it with, like, uh, you know, the lip sealed emoji. And also remember this year, you know, uh, Delhi had like a little what, a sex tape leak or Did footage of it leak. Yeah, Where'd sorry, he's, he's made it. it. It's on the very dark web. <laughs> the very dark web. Spurs web. <laughs> um, but you know, just to say, he's had a kind of a challenging season, both on and off the pitch. But it's still a ways till June. I mean, there's five games left. There's an FA Cup semifinal. I mean, or possibly final. He could work his way back into the team. But I don't see Delhi and Lingard playing at the same time. That's, I that's think the that problem. the the season that he's had is actually good for Tottenham. They they qualify for Champions League again. 
they are uh, they they are beating back some of their ghosts. Poach has had some problems playing against these top six teams in the past. They still have to win a big one. They still they still have to win a cup. I think for this team to know know a little bit about what it takes to win a trophy. And I know that that sounds like uh, uh, Ryan trophy merchant. <laughs> I'm not a trophy <laughs> merchant, but people Results talk about merchant. People <laughs> talk about people talk about like you don't know what it means to like the, what kind of focus you need to win a cup yeah. until you actually do it. And that's across sports. I mean, they talk about with the young NBA teams, it's just like you're going to get into the playoffs. Sixers are going to get into the playoffs and they're not going to know what it's like to play in a game five on the road in Indiana or whatever to get out of the first round until they actually do it. And I think Tottenham has to go through some of these lumps. The big challenge is keeping these guys at the beginning of the season. We were talking about 100 million plus for Ali to go to Real. And now I don't think that that's in the cards. I think that he'll have his World Cup, whatever it is. But I think that Tottenham's going to keep him. And it it looks more and more like they're going to keep most of this Spurs team together, the, the ones that they want at least, right? I would also keep in mind he's 20, 21 yeah. years old. Yeah. I mean, and Lingard is 25. So, I mean, he's like a full World Cup cycle older than him. And, and his best is yet to come. I mean, he scored a shit ton of goals early in his career and probably set a bit of an unreasonable standard for him to live up to. Yeah. I, I think some of what we need to consider here, too, is that Ali creatively is having the best season of his career. And he's not scoring as much, but. Harry Kane is having like an insane supernova level season yeah. where he's basically taking all of the shots for Tottenham. So I think it part of it is it's just a change in a role for him. I, I don't think it's totally him uh, playing worse by any means. But it's the diving, the petulance, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, the yeah, middle yeah. finger. Yeah, the, the De Bruyne tackle was just one of the most. Do you think that it works better? Do you think he works better pushed up a little bit further, like right behind Kane? Do you think that he's better in that Gerard to Torres role uh, than he is in the center of the park? Yeah, I think so. Because then, then he just has the license to make those runs that he made on the second and goal. gets in less situations where he's he's nipping at people's ankles. Yeah, and, and I think you know if he's in that, if he's a little higher up, you don't need to. He doesn't have to worry about sort of being efficient with the ball, and he can try more. Uh, to quote Clint Dempsey, try more shit. But the question, Ryan, for you then is, who do you start, Lingard or Deli in Russia? Because here's the thing about Deli Ali that I can imagine happening, him starting and getting a yellow card for a dive, and then sometime early in the second half, some Skolzian tackle sent off. I mean, people still question sort of his overall temperament. Yeah, I think that could happen, but... They got to go 4-6-0 Spalletti style in Russia. <laughs> I, I think uh, what we've seen from Southgate in these friendlies playing playing five defenders basically every game. I think the benefit of that is that you can you can be a little more inventive uh, farther up the pitch. You know, Lingard, I think, gives you some more solidity in like a Park Ji-sung, Dirk Kaut kind of wow. solidity way. He gives more going forward than those guys too, um, but... I think with Deli Ali, the the defensive trade offs are they don't exist with the way that England's playing. So I think I would play Ali, uh, Sterling, and Kane. I want to talk more about uh, the international game in a, in a few minutes, but before we get there, I do want to talk a little bit about Antonio Antonio Conte's very particular way of motivating his team over the last couple of weeks. By all accounts, he is done at the end of the season. He is apparently Italy's number one choice to become the manager, the national team manager. There has been rumors about him going to uh, AC Milan. Uh, there's been rumors about him being PSG's first choice to come in and replace Unai Emery. Uh, here are some of the headlines leading up to the Tottenham match. Conte, we must win. 
Conte, Tottenham are improving faster than we are. Conte, we are having the season we deserve. So, uh, this is a guy, I think that, you know, he is obviously an incredible, incredible manager. Mm-hmm. And he's he knows how to do, he knows how to negate other teams. He knows how to just, just absolutely dominate space in, in a very Mourinho-style way. Um, he's also very demanding. Uh, but he seems to be running into a bit of a habit with these clubs, not unlike, not unlike Mourinho, where it's the transfer. The transfer stuff just does his head in, and there is. It, it's been an interesting season in terms of watching different managers shape the narrative around their team. Liverpool went through a bit of a dip, but Klopp never backed off his guys. You know, he never complained about having to sell his best player in January. Uh, there was not, uh, look, I'm doing the best I can with what I have. Um, Pep, same thing. Not that he would be able to complain anyway, because yeah. he basically had the thing sewn up before the Christmas trees went up, but loves his kids, defends them, talks about how you can't kick my guys anymore. But you got Mourinho and Conte out here just being like, these players who are really fucking expensive <laughs> I mean, if you, if are you not just, good enough. Like that's, look- just, that's just wrong. The list of players that they've bought since last summer, uh, with the exception maybe of Murata, who's coming back to form a little bit, it's Rudiger, Zappacosta, Bakayoko, Danny Drinkwater, Barkley, <laughs> Emerson, Giroud. They sent Michi out. That's a pretty. I mean, this whole this team needs a total reboot, and and I think that's probably a bridge too far for Conte. But at the same time, it's like. Conte didn't really want to play Mishi and then had a, I mean, I guess everyone sort of has a falling out with Diego Costa. Sure. <laughs> but it's just tough to. Well, I th- let me, let me put it to you this way. Is this going to be the, is this Chelsea now? Is Chelsea now running through cycles where they have these players, they get a new manager, that manager either gets them into the Champions League, maybe even challenges for the league. Then they fall out hard because we're used to in the last 10 years, on almost a tier of at the top of the Premier League of four teams that is relatively unchanging. It's the, the you know United City, Arsenal, and one other. I mean, I would say that. What do you think, and Chelsea, Donny? From almost the beginning of this decade, Chelsea has been doing this. You know, yeah, they, they the, won the Champions League and they came in sixth, right? Yeah. Yes. This um, is just the shit Chelsea season in between. You know, like the reboot, and then next year, I'm sure they'll be competing for the for the title. Yeah, like uh, I'm not so sure. Conte is, but the thing we should say, Conte is. I think he's the third, second longest tenured manager under under Abramovich, other than Mourinho. Hasn't it been three years? This is his two, second season. Two, two years. <laughs> and he's gone. He's 100% you know? gone. So, yeah. And like they're going to bring in Thomas Tuchel, who's a great manager, and they'll probably do well next year. And then Tuchel will have a falling out with a scout and leave the club. <laughs> you know, like. Uh, Donnie, anything before we move on to the international game? Would you like to say anything about the Gunners? Well, I thought I was going to get his Latin. Oh my gosh, that's right. Soccer Don has Donnie, to speak. Donnie, before we, we want to first hear from you about how, how you felt about Big Z. I just wanted you guys to freaking settle down, man. <laughs> Here, but here's my analogy. This is what Latin is to me. Latin to football is what DJ Khaled is to music. That what do you is think of- an egregious comparison. <laughs> what? Explain. Explain is they both are skilled uh, 
Well, one's a skilled athlete and one's a skilled artist. And when they first came out, they were people who Donnie, did... how is DJ Khaled a skilled artist? Like, what are you talking <laughs> he's, about? He's actually what a DJ. What Champions League did, did, what, what did... What league did Khaled win? No, but DJ Khaled used to be a, a DJ called what, Arab Attack or something. And he was actually a DJ making mixtapes. And he was big in Miami radio. And he had a skill and he was good. And then he became a meme. And, Khaled, and uh, Zlatan has become a meme similar uh, to DJ Khaled. And now he's just annoying. Turn, turn Micah's mic up for a second. <laughs> Listen, man. Here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. This it, is like, I, the thing is that like the only the only <laughs> parallel between those two things is the fact that is, is the memification of a human being, which has happened to literally millions of humans before. I'm just like, saying, I'm just beforehand. saying it's corny. You know what? Zlatan scored two goals in his MLS debut. Do you know he joins the esteemed ranks of people like Omar Bravo? <laughs> Eric Hasley, Charlie Charlie Davies okay, of DC no, no, United, no, 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 who also, no, 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 who no, no, also no. did it as a sub. I want actually you to appreciate the fact that and none of those goals were offside. With his first <laughs> touch in an MLS jersey, scored from forty yards out. That is, there's there's nothing to settle down about. Here's the thing. I, I said it in the Slack. I'm saying it now. Over under. Latin goals this year. I said ten. I can't believe you're gonna. Go, I, I can't believe you're gonna re up that on the, on I'm, the I'm, air. I'm, in I'm re upping it. Anybody come take the bet. So you're saying under? <laughs> I'm saying under ten bag, goals. He's gonna I'm saying. Like I'm saying right now his knee is not gonna hold up. Okay. And, okay. Yeah. And he's not gonna. He's not gonna be scoring against Columbus Crew. And you know that's an incredible their, that under is, bet that is only overshadowed by the DJ Khaled analogy. <laughs> uh, we will be right back from work from our sponsors to talk about the international football that we saw over the break. Today's episode of Ringer FC is brought to you by the big homies at Hotel Tonight. If you're the type that's always looking for a bigger, better deal, you've got to get that Hotel Tonight app. Hotel Tonight partners with awesome hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, which means you get amazing deals. Their name is Hotel Tonight, but you can actually book in advance. Book next week tonight or book next month tonight. All it takes is 10 seconds, just three taps and a swipe. No long, endless lists of a zillion hotel choices. Hotel Tonight only shows you the best deals at the best hotels. It's perfect for whether you're a planner or like to leave things to the very last minute. And with Hotel Tonight's HT Perks program, the more you book, the better deals get. Unlike other loyalty programs where you're trapped into staying at boring chain hotels, I've been using Hotel Tonight for more than a year now. It's booked my last, ah, God, five, six little vacations. My wife and I love to just check the app at the last second on like a Wednesday or Thursday and see if there's anything cool open on the beach. This is great for spontaneous weekend getaways, a staycation at a hotel you've always wanted to check out. You can skip the commute. Let someone else make the bed tomorrow. Start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels and download the Hotel Tonight app now. All right, guys, we're back, Donnie and Ryan, and we're going to play a little small sample size World Cup. We just had an international break of friendlies. Not a lot of intense mental toughness on display, but that's okay. We're still taking what we saw, and I want each of you guys, Ryan and Donnie, to tell me a team that I should be excited about just based purely on the last few weeks. Ryan, go first. A uh, little team called Argentina who um, beat Italy in their first friendly at the break, and then before their second game against Spain, the manager of Argentina, Jorge Sampaoli, gave an interview where he said that, quote, the World Cup is a revolver to Lionel Messi's head. And then after that 
proceeded to lose 6-1 to Spain without Lionel Messi, who was in the stands and left the stadium before the game was over. Uh, Sister Jean style. I, and, you know, and you know who the keeper was for Argentina? One, Willy Caballero. Exactly. Um, and I think Sid Lowe said this after the game. If the World Cup was a revolver on Messi's head, Jorge Sampaoli just took the safety off. Um, this is also interesting that Sampaioli said that because the the headline in Sidlow's La Liga column this week is with Messi, Barca looked beaten. With him, they looked unbeatable. Yeah. Without him, without Messi, Barca looked beaten. Are we in a, a Messi is the most important football player in the world right now, no matter what team he's on moment? I mean, not that we're never not, but... It's just interesting to me that like this seems to have always been a kind of destructive narrative for the Argentina national team and Sampaoli has managed to like ratchet it up to a thousand it's a it's a really interesting um interesting approach from him so I, did they not did they not they didn't play him for what just because to, to, to not get him let him get hurt during a friendly I think he picked up an injury like okay. a minor minor injury um I mean it wasn't by any means wasn't anywhere near a full Argentina team, but it's just, you know, these games are sort of meaningless a lot of the time, but getting just totally trucked by one of your sort of main competitors for the title is never a good thing. Donnie, did you get a chance to see this 6-1 demolition by Spain? I know that you have a lot of affection for uh, for the Spanish team. Yeah, I didn't see, I saw the highlights of that game, but I watched the Spain-Germany 1-1 uh, draw that preceded it, or a couple days before it, and I mean, that was a majestic, friendly, really both teams. But, you know, Spain is Spain. And I think after watching that game, I kind of, you know, I was thinking of, you know, it's Europe is very top heavy this for this World Cup. Germany, France, Belgium, obviously, as kind of a dark horse. And I think, but Spain to me seems like, I mean, it's just, Iniesta just never ages. I, the, the Silva, everybody's at the top of their game, and I feel like... Isco, especially. Isco, and Isco, that's the fun thing about this Spain team, is this, it's like the old and like the a, new it, really exactly. mixing. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, Germany is kind of the same way, where they have like a seamless transition from old to new, where it's like a mix of early 20-somethings and, and veterans. Uh, but it, I, fi- I, I find it, it's going to be very difficult to beat them. And um, But also... I should say I was excited by not necessarily the team, but I don't know if you guys saw Nigeria debut their home kit. No, I didn't. <laughs> uh, how to describe it on a, uh, audio only, but Google it. But it's basically a shirt that has like gr- fluorescent green on the sleeves and black on the body of the shirt, but they're like little zigzag patterns. Oh, cool. Very 90s looking, yeah. uh, very sharp, and it almost makes up for the fact that Korea gave, I mean, uh, Nike gave Korea a Red Hanes t-shirt. So you're, <laughs> Donnie's into Spain and Nigeria in terms of their sartorial quality, but with, with, with the state of Argentina, would you, how, what is your prediction for them in the World Cup? Uh, I think they're going to go pretty deep still, just because of my sort of running theory that there aren't really any good managers in international football and Corey Sempilli is and he has albeit one who has just described himself as a with a gun to his head yeah (laughs) I mean I think that's the thing we know about Sempilli he's not uh not one to hold back but I I think with enough time he's gonna sort of figure out how to deploy this team um but they're just the team to watch because it's like I mean it would suck if they like didn't get out of the group but it would be just like 
the narratives surrounding this team, I think, are just by far the most interesting. I don't love the team they picked. Yeah. I don't understand why, uh, against Spain, there's no Dybala and there's no Icardi. I, you could tell me that there are reasons for it, but I know that Acardi has been pretty much, and I know why, but Acardi has been pretty much ostracized from the national team setup. He's one of the best strikers in the world right and, now. And doesn't Dybala say he can't he can't play with Messi? I mean, I know Messi didn't play in that game, but yeah, Dybala has said that it's hard for him to play with Messi because he's so much better than him, basically. Which is, it's just that's why, like, that's why I'm picking Argentina because it's like. We talk about how, like, Messi ha- is this sort of, like, specter looming over Argentina, and can he do it? Can he become the actual best player of all time by winning the World Cup? Because that's actually how you determine the best player. Um, and yet, like, all you of the— that pl- cynically. Yes, I yeah. do. And yet, all like, the players and the manager are also now, like, giving into this thing that, you know, seemed like a made-up media narrative— and it's just going to be fascinating to watch to see what happens with them. All right, we're going to be back to talk about a fascinating player that we're not going to get to watch this summer right after this. All right, Micah's back. And we're here to talk about the state of Christian <clears throat> Pulisic. Uh, Borussia Dortmund lost 6 nothing, 6 nothing to Bayern Munich. Uh, this has been a long and winding and not particularly uh, happy season for Dortmund this season. Uh, but we're concerned about Christian because he'll probably have a summer of suitors. They, I, I noticed that Dortmund has a, uh, I believe there's a friendly scheduled at Liverpool or with Liverpool. Liverpool this summer. I yeah. wonder what team Christian Pulisic will be playing for at that point. Maybe both, half with one team, half That's right. Maybe he'll do one week on, one week <laughs> off like a divorce kid. Uh, and then, you know, I just wanted to talk <laughs> a little bit about him because this is a very typical, we talked. A little, we started this podcast talking a lot about Deli Ali. It's a typical thing to happen to younger players. The hardest thing to do is find consistency. Pulisic's been... I think on average, you know, he's played more minutes th- this year in Bundesliga than he did last year. But on average, he's been around the same player as he was last year in the Bundesliga. I think the biggest difference is his performance and his lack of opportunity in Europe. Do you think that's fair to say, Ryan? Uh, yeah, I would say so. I mean, I think it's just, you know, last year he—it's weird. Last year he played and was starting all of the big games, but actually only played 1,500 minutes in the Bundesliga, mm-hmm. which it, it seems like he played way more than that. Um and this year, he's already exceeded uh, that number, and there's, what, seven games left? Yeah. Um, I think it's just, the not, like the performance is, it's tough to judge because Dortmund have been such a complete mess this season. Um, I mean, granted, they're in third place, so they, they can't have been too much of a mess, but for Dortmund standards, they've been... Well, I mean, like it's it, it was kind of, the microcosm of the Dortmund season was the first 16 games of it, which is that... Three eight games straight, went three or eight, eight few, straight wins, eight, eight, eight straight and wins, then eight yeah. straight losses. Yeah, like it's yeah, and then they bring in a new manager, Peter Stoger, to kind of write the ship, make them more boring, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's they've that's not really happened. <laughs> um, getting just totally destroyed um, by your biggest, your supposedly biggest rival. Um, yeah. I mean, like if you were watching the if you were watching the the game broadcast on FS1, like the lead up to it was just all this talk about 
uh, Dortmund, this is uh, a chance for them to show their fans that they mean business because they were supposed to challenge for a title this year and they did it. Yes. And this is how we, they can make a statement against against Bayern, like the, the big bad boys in Germany or whatever. And then 10 minutes into the game, they're already down 3-0. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the... Pulisic didn't play for the U.S. during the friendly period because this game was so important. You know what I mean? Which yeah. the game really wasn't actually no, that Bayern important. It's only important when you lose nothing. six yeah, nothing. Yeah. Right. You know. Right. Um, I I think Pulisic generally his performance has roughly been around the same that it was last year. You know, with a goal or assist here and there, are not not three, turning three goals the- in each of the seasons, uh, six assists in la- last year, four now, slightly higher shots per game this year. You know, it's it's basically around the same. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's you know you with young players, it's not just a straight you mm-hmm. know three goals, five assists. Then we're gonna have five goals, eight assists. You know, it's not just always a straight trajectory. I up. think the reason why I was asking about Europe is because. Typically, you know, in terms of order of operations, the Bundesliga is down a little bit for most U.S.-based fans. Yeah. Bundesliga is going to be the third third or fourth option that they're looking at. You know, mm-hmm. they're going to watch uh, Premier League. They're going to watch MLS if they care about that. They're going to watch the big Spanish clubs, and then they might check out Germany. It's got a good—it's it's well broadcast in, in, in the States through Fox. But where the, where the place that we all sort of get fired up about— about players is usually Champions League or late Europa League. Yeah. And the fact that he's out of both, the fact that he went from having this incredible Champions League last season to barely making a sound this season, yeah. and he just looks a little bit kicked and beaten down. I think he's become the target. He's become someone you can criticize, and also on the field, he's become someone t- opposing teams know they want to neutralize him going into the matches. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's it's definitely... It's just all the, you know, like, it's just growing pains. It's because also, when you think about it, you go back to 2016, the summer before that Dortmund season, they got rid of uh, Ilkay Gundogan, mm-hmm. Mats Hummels, and... A lot of turnover. Yeah, and and Henrik Mkhitaryan. And then this summer, the, I mean, like, and that's just kind of like, their their expectations for this team have been kind of like, not extremely high since then. Yeah. Um, they lose Usman Dembele before the start of this season, and then it's basically you get more Pulisic usage after that. That's what, yep. that's what how you account for um, the number of minutes that he's played or whatever. But yeah, I mean, like he's just kind of progressing like you would expect an 18-year-old to progress, but that's not fast enough for somebody with so many expectations yeah. on him. Yeah, I think we, you know... I don't know if we've said this yet. He's 19 years old. Um, and if you compare what he's doing at 19 to like what Leroy Sané, who played like 500 minutes in the Bundesliga at 19, what Sterling was doing at 20 even, what Rashford was doing mm-hmm. at 19, Pulisic is way ahead of all of them. Yeah. Let me ask you this question then. So uh, Dortmund's in danger of falling out of the Champions League places. There's like a, a three or four team race for this last last Champions League space yeah. in yeah. place in Bundesliga. If he doesn't make the Champions League, should he leave Dortmund? One. Two, what are the chances? I mean, what what should American soccer fans know about the chances of success here? Because for for every Raheem Sterling, there's an Adnan Janazai or a Bojan Kirkic who kind of bangs around different teams and mm-hmm. never quite catches. It. it seems like the management system, we ran that interesting piece on The Ringer about the people behind Pulisic this yeah. year. 
What do you think he should do this summer if Dortmund is comes in sixth this year? I personally think he should stay where he's at. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, it would be interesting to see what he does at Liverpool or United or whoever he's hooked. He's he's linked with in the back pages of the Independent or whatever. But I think that the the issue is that like it, the the conversation that we were having with Deli Ali or whomever uh, the younger the younger player is is that you need consistent playing time and you need a stable environment and regular reps. And the thing is that he's going to get all those things if he stays at Dortmund. And yeah, you're not going to get the exciting Champions League moments, the things that are going to like turn the tide of opinion or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he's going to steadily get better, which is what he needs as a player. I feel like. Yeah, <laughs> I. I mean, I think. We're trying to resist our like no. advocacy for him to go to Liverpool. I know. Yeah, that, there's that. But like as American soccer fans, I think everyone is sort of treating Pulisic like this like special like flower. Of course, they want him to be the first American global soccer superstar. Yeah, but like this. I think what you're saying is sort of a common theme among you know people that support or watch the U.S. in that. We, we want him to just stay at Dortmund because Dortmund is historically this pretty good club for developing or incredible club for developing mm-hmm. developing talent. Um, but and I've felt that way too. But the team has been a just disaster this year in a lot of ways. And they've actually <laughs> had so, a lot of chaos in the last couple of years. Yeah, like you know? part of the reason maybe Pulisic his performance doesn't seem as good as it was last year is because he's played for two different managers, neither of which really seemed to... Three in the last 15 months. Yeah, think about it. yeah. yeah. it's not, not a surprise that he played better under Thomas Tuchel than two random... One guy that got fired by the worst team in the league and the other guy that, like... Peter Bosch and Peter Stoger. Essentially yeah. acted like soccer was a one-way sport where you didn't have to defend. Um, I think I would... Rather see him play for a different manager that thinks soccer is a one-way sport and you don't really have to defend. Who's German? Yeah. Who yeah. wears glasses? <laughs> yeah. And has cool hair? David Wagner. <laughs> Huddersfield. <laughs> All right, Huddersfield, congratulations on your new spot at the top of the uh, American Power Rankings. That does it for another episode of Ringer FC. We'll be back every other Monday morning. You can expect to hear from us. Before I go, I just want really quickly, Liverpool or City this week? City. City. Liverpool. <laughs> Liverpool. <laughs> no, it's Thank a you, Donnie. It's a revenge match. Thank you, Donnie. For Donnie Kwok, Micah Peters, Ryan O'Hanlon, we'll see you in two Mondays. Until then, remember to keep possession. Ski-yay! Ski-yay!